0: and welcome to another Podcast Society Presents. I'm Kit, the Publicity Secretary, and today I am joined by Mike Schubert from the Multitude Network.
1: Hello. Uh, Mike's
0: the host of multiple podcasts, a multitude you might say, (laughs) Uh, including Potlis, Horse, and Meddling Adults, which some of our members might be familiar with. Uh, Mike, how are you going?
1: I'm doing well, all things considered, as well as you can be, given the world right now. You know holding on staying safe making a lot of podcasts and uh trying to make the most of things
0: your podcasting been going 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 strong through the pandemic
1: yeah i mean initially it it took a little bit of a hit when the pandemic first started um so like from march through the summer advertising took a little bit of a hit but thankfully mm-hmm. uh, a solid chunk of my income comes from patreon with people supporting directly so that actually in the pandemic that actually went up like people were I guess more keen on trying to support independent creators like myself which was very kind of them to do so so whether that storm for the most part advertising has all come back in the only true thing that has gone away was I was going to do like an 11 city live show tour which was going to be great and I was looking forward to and it was going to be fun and also would have helped in the income department on top of all of the other benefits to do it. So that's the only thing that like really is still not happening. But I hope whenever the world resumes, uh, I can do that again. But yeah, podcasting yeah. otherwise has been good. Meddling Adults was launched because of quarantine, basically. So that's uh, that's one positive that came from it.
0: It was it was definitely very positive. That was that was definitely bright bright spark in the early quarantine. Um, at the beginning, uh, you were re- mostly recording with people who were in the same house.
1: Uh, for the first season of meddling adults. Yeah, I was well, I was just re- I was basically just recording with anyone who had their own home set up. So that's why like, season one was like exclusively people I knew who were podcasting from home. So I recorded them all out of my apartment, just me and my wife living together. Um, And then I did the one episode with my parents because I was home with them for a little bit of quarantine but yeah that was definitely a decision making factor and guests was like i know this person records from home i know this person records from home so it was trying to make sure that the audio quality would be up to snuff
0: so rolling things back a bit to the beginning of your kind of Mm. podcasting journey how did that kind of how did that all kick off uh back in 2017
1: yeah, late 2016 is when I first launched Potterless, but my my foray into podcasting itself goes earlier beyond even that. Uh, the first thing like I ever did podcasting-wise was me and my buddy from high school, he, he ran a fantasy basketball league that was bad on purpose, so you would try to get players who like did things like turnovers and fouls and missed shots and stuff like that, and we made a podcast to go along with that and it was mainly just like we were living separately uh in like different cities and I just really wanted an excuse to talk to my friend Ricky every two weeks so every every two weeks we would just like talk about funny stuff that happened in the NBA um this you know you know led to me wanting to go on to do horse later on but that was like the first thing I ever did with podcasting I enjoyed doing it so then I started to like pursue it as something i could create on my own for like an actual audience not just like the 12 people in our fantasy basketball league so i first made a podcast about vine uh the app i was very into that i made a lot of friends from vine when i lived in oakland i had a friend that i met from vine and then we hung out in person all the time and anytime we would um like hang out at a party or something and people would say how do you know Danny or how does Danny know you we would say vine and people would go that's weird and like it's i get that it's not normal but i would say that it is no weirder than dating someone from tinder or something so i wanted to make a podcast that was just like proving that vine friendships aren't weird so it was just me talking with people that i met from vine about the app about life etc i did that for like a year and it was fun and i enjoyed like podcasting itself but it was very much like a niche audience it was specifically like people who like vine so much so that they would listen to people uh from vine talking about stuff so then i was trying to think of new podcast ideas and i was really trying to get out of the niche thing i was like i should pick a subject that a lot of people care about and the first thing i thought of was like well everybody loves harry potter and then i was like ah but i haven't read harry potter and then i realized oh that's the podcast i sat on this idea until i met my now until i met my now wife kelly who at the time we weren't dating, but I had a crush on her. She mentioned offhandedly that she liked Harry Potter. And I was like, ah, an excuse to continue talking to this person. So then I started like actually putting the gears together on Potterless and uh, started reading and doing all the prep and recording in like March of 2016. And then the first episode came out in October. um, And then, you know, later on ended up making Horse and the Meddling Adults. And now I'm working on even more stuff.
0: Were there were there any uh, kind of challenges early on with Potterless? Was there anything that you kind of, looking back on, uh, anything that was a bit of a stumbling block? Or
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot. So much of it was just being self-taught because I knew a little bit of what I was doing because I'd done a lot of video editing. So in high school and college, I did a bunch of YouTube videos and I was familiar with editing on iMovie and uh, Final Cut Pro, which are Apple's two services there. So GarageBand, which is what I initially used to edit, was similar enough to iMovie that I kind of like felt comfortable. So I at least had like a little bit of of an idea of what was going on there from that. But just trying to learn all the different things of like best recording practices and how to edit effectively and EQ and stuff like that, like it was just so much learning the hard way. And I would make mistakes. And some of those episodes of Potter, like there's times where like I used a default setting on GarageBand that's like male voice or, or female voice for a guest. And that's for like singing. So it adds reverb. So I like added echo. I like I was so out of my wits of what to do with making things sound pretty that I made some very poor decisions. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of learning on on stuff like that. My recording setup was very simple. I had like a $50 blue Snowball Ice microphone, um, which is good for anyone if you're looking for a cheap setup, just a little USB mic. I had guests before my buddy Sal pointed out that guests could just like, if they didn't have a microphone, they could record like a voice memo on their phone. I like pointed a Bluetooth speaker at my microphone um, so that everything was on one track, but just like some terrible stuff early on, but what really helped and what led to where I am right now as I record this in Multitude's studio in Brooklyn, multitude originally before we were official just became like me and some youtube friends so amanda eric schneider we were all making podcasts and we were just asking each other for advice all the time so amanda had made spirits a couple months before i did Potterless, so i was asking her a lot of stuff about launch eventually when they may join the party and brandon came into the mix brandon who like studied sound design and worked for companies doing that he taught me so much so the stumbles were just like i had no idea what i was doing and i was learning as i went and i made plenty mistakes from equipment to my initial i initially hosted it on soundcloud which was annoying and like there's so many things where like looking back i would have done so many things differently which is why i always try to point people towards our website multitude.production resources because basically every time we make a presentation where we're like here's how we messed up here's what you do to not make the same mistakes we did (laughs) uh i try to put that out in the world because yeah it was so much just learning firsthand straight up the hard way
0: yeah i think that's it sounds like that was kind of the early days of podcasting everyone was very much going alone uh obviously with stuff like multitude it's kind of changed now to be a bit more community driven a bit Mm -hmm. more people people helping each other out
1: yeah, and that's why I always like podcasting and why I was drawn to it. It's drawn it's been my driving factor behind like all my creative endeavors. I did YouTube and then when it became less community focused, I did Vine because it was very community focused, and then Vine got killed, but I got in I enjoyed and stuck with podcasting because I've generally found podcasters to be helpful people. I people really support the like rising tide lifts all ships thing. It's far less cutthroat than YouTube was when I was doing it. So It was a nice supportive community. And I think with Multitude, what we're trying to do is rather than it be like a direct thing where you ask people one-to-one, just put it in the public so that anyone can get this knowledge, not just someone who has a friend that podcasts that they can bug and ask questions about, which I was fortunate enough to have when I started.
0: Obviously, Potalus now has become quite a big thing. Uh, You've able able to make it a kind of uh, full-time career in podcasting. Was, Was that a difficult decision? Was that something that you... Slowly became aware, this is what I want to do.
1: Yeah, it was funny because it the way I found out that it was feasible was all at once. So we were doing at Multitude, we had like quarterly meetings where we would talk about like statistics of our shows and how things were going and like where money was going and stuff like that, just to kind of like give people like some regular input about how all the shows were doing and and. I had been keeping track of my stats on a couple of different stat tracking websites, which is like a hard thing with podcasting. Cause it's just like, it's not consistent. It's hard. You don't have like public numbers like YouTube where it's like, this has this many views. Um, so I was keeping my own stats on one website and this was like, this was like July of 28, July of 2019. So uh, yeah. So the show was like a year and change old. And I had just put the show onto Spotify in uh, January of 2019. So it was on Spotify, and I knew that it was getting a good chunk of listens from Spotify. They we were fortunate enough there's a guy named Greg, who I literally owe my career to. He did an editor's pick thing when Spotify first added podcasts, and they were really big about pushing we have podcasts now yeah i was an editor's pick and i was on everyone's homepage for like three months and that yeah like you just you just raised your hand like a lot of people found the show that way um so that was huge but from my understanding i thought oh okay the show is getting like 15 to 20,000 downloads an episode and now it's getting between like 50 and 60,000 downloads or something and I was like this or uh, maybe something where like it went from I thought 20,000 to like 40,000 I was like this is cool but still like not enough where when we were we were just starting to pitch to sponsors and we got a couple but not like a huge amount but then in one of those meetings Eric Schneider asked me because he was taking the lead on stats he asked me Oh, did you? Do you have you been adding your Spotify stats separately? And I was like, What? And he was like, Libsyn, which is the hosting service we were using at the time, now it does. But back then, they had Spotify in a separate section. So it was like your show stats from RSS downloads for everything that is in Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, all this stuff, and then Spotify. And I was like, What are you talking about? And then he showed me it. And that's when I realized that like 70% of my downloads were coming from Spotify. So at that point, I was like, Oh, I'm not getting like, 30,000 or 40,000 downloads an episode, I'm getting, like, 80,000 downloads an episode. So at that point, I messaged Amanda, and I was like, hey, let's start, A, charging advertisers way more money than we've been charging them, but also, like, I think this can be a thing now. So at that point, Amanda kicked it into gear where... She was like, look, I'll go... Because we were kind of just like figuring out I would do some ad stuff, she would do ad stuff. She was like, I'll take on all your ad stuff now. I'll take a cut. We'll put that cut into like multitude general funds so that we can try to fund things eventually what came to be like the studio. So that combined with I was trying to move to New York because I was living in Seattle. My now wife Kelly was in New York and my whole plan was to eventually find a job in New York. So I was applying for like engineering jobs in New York. Now that I realized I hosted a very popular podcast, I was like, oh, I should just apply for podcasting jobs in New York. So then I got a job in digital marketing where I would like help brands find podcasts to advertise on. So like the reverse of what I was doing for myself. So I was able to take that job, which was like a significant pay cut from what I was making engineering, but the combination of the more sponsorship money that was coming in, plus Patreon, like the show just kept growing and Patreon kept growing. It was at that point that I was able to uh, do things and realize it was more feasible. So like in 2020 is when, or was it 2020? No, 2019 is when I started making the show every come out every week as opposed to biweekly. So once I realized that the show was as big as it was, I kind of kicked things more into gear of trying to do it full-time. Uh, at that same time, Multitude was working on the show, the the Sony podcast that they released, and that allowed for some funding of getting, like, the studio and stuff like that. So it's just those two things kind of happened at the same time where it realized it was feasible. So then I worked in digital marketing for podcasting for, like, a year or so – or, no, six months. Then I did digital marketing stuff part-time for another three months. And then it was just, like, with Potterless and Horse and everything I was doing, it was so much work – that it just wasn't feasible to have another job at all. So then I just ended up being full-time with podcasting in like July of 2019. And I've been independent and full-time podcasting ever since.
0: Awesome. Because, um, yeah, you uh, join a party and, and uh, Spirits and Potlars all kind of, although you all have your individual Patreons, you've also got the kind of multitude, multi-crew, haven't you?
1: Yes, we do. So multi-crew is just like the general thing if you want to find a way to support us as a collective you can do so and that money goes towards things that benefit all of us so a lot of that is to the studio especially now because the other things that before we would spend it on is like if we did a live show with all of us or if we all went to a convention we could use those funds to like subsidize venue costs or airbnbs if we're going to a convention all together now it's pretty much just going to the studio since we can't do anything else but the multi-crew is nice so that if someone, you know, we're thankful to anyone that's able to give, but if someone listens to all of our shows and in their budget, they can only give 20 bucks a month, they, and they want to help all the shows, but not necessarily like $5 here, year, $5 a year, whatever, just easier just to say like, I would like to give $20 a month or whatever, just to multitude. So that's what the multi-crew exists for.
0: Uh, one thing I did want to ask, because obviously Potalus and uh, Meddling Adults are so fe- featured around the, the guests you get on to help you help you discuss all the people you get on as the kind of game show contestants uh has has there been anyone that you've kind of gotten onto the show and been like this is amazing that i've managed to co- collaborate with this person
1: oh yeah there i mean there's a lot of a lot of the people that i've had on the show like when you first have them on it's oh my god i can't believe i'm getting this person on and then they've just like become my friends. So, early, er, really, really early on with Potterless, it was getting Lauren Shippen on, the creator of the Bright Sessions, and then the team behind Wolf 359, uh, now called Long Story Short Productions. I met them because Lauren was having a pool party in New York. I was living in Seattle at the time, but I happened to be in New York for an improv festival with my old college improv troupe. And there was a pool party in upstate New York where Lauren's parents live that she was having, and Julia Shafini was invited. And she was like, You should come with me to this party. And then I met them, and Pottery was teeny, teeny tiny at this point like, yeah. n- not like 10,000 downloads an episode, like very small compared to what it grew to be. And having them on the show and talking to them, and they were just like the nicest people. I, like, barely knew what the podcasts were because I was, I was so new new to podcasting in general that I was, like, the Bright Sessions and then listened to it so I knew who they were and stuff. But um, eventually they were on the show, and that was just, like, a huge moment, and that really gave the podcast, like, a new jolt of audience before all the Spotify stuff, and and that really helped. But little by little, there's just been so many people on that before – getting them on it felt like such a big ask to just get them on the show like this happened with helen Saltzman, where i was like oh my god if she would please say yes to me being on the show because i met her through paul bay who's another person where i was like oh my god like it's 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 a fun thing of I like when you watch celebrities and you see they're all like friends with each other. I'm not trying to say I'm a celebrity. Let me say this that's off. Like you wonder like how are these people all friends with each other? Like <laughs> that's what happens with podcasting too because you just end up like guessing on everybody's show and then you follow each other on Twitter and then you just like communicate and then you see each other at podcasting conventions. So there have been a lot of people where it's like oh my gosh and then it's funny because I've had Helen Zaltzman on across my podcast like eight times now and we message regularly about whatever. So there's been a lot of different people that i've met along the way and and that's the sad thing about conventions being honest that was such a fun way to meet people i met jason concepcion who's an incredible creator formerly at the ringer now on uh on crooked media and he was just on an episode of meddling adults and that was something that was like big in the works were just with schedules we couldn't get it to work and we finally made something happen so that was cool so yeah lots of uh lots of interesting people that we've had in the mix. There are some that I'm trying to get on for future episodes of Meddling Adults that are true, like, holy crap moments that haven't happened yet, so I don't want to jinx it, but uh, there are I've had some email communications with some podcasters that I truly admire, and to get them on would be incredible.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I will admit, I think, Finding Potterless on Spotify, it was a perfect storm of, I'm really into Harry Potter. Oh, he got Zach Valenti and Lauren Shippen on. Oh, <laughs> awesome. But the best part was, I was already listening to Join the Party, so it was ah. a- Nice. I, was surpri- I was surprised I hadn't heard of Portless at, at the point when I discovered it, because suddenly mm. I was like, oh, it's really good. Oh, he knows all the Join the Party people. <laughs> so it wasn't very much of, wow, you guys all do know each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's nice. The, the little like, market of podcasting people that I have found myself in
0: mm. is a
1: very nice market, and I'm excited, and I'm so thankful for all of the people that I met early on, because they've helped me get to where I'm at now.
0: And it means you can do some wild games of uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's all the all the dot connecting is very fun to do.
0: Uh, I also wanted to ask, you mentioned being part of like an improv troupe and on your podcast, you mentioned your kind of improv background. Do you think that's something that's helped with podcasting, being able to kind of you know, think on your feet, have that performing aspect?
1: Yeah, I think it's huge. I think it's been essential because improv just teaches you a lot of core values of like how to do something comedic but then also just like how to be a nice person because the whole thing with improv is that it's a team sport and the core value of it is yes and and it's all about trying to focus on creating the best product and not necessarily making sure that you get the shine like some of the funniest people and some of the best improvisers i know are very okay with just being a background character but facilitating the scene to be funny and if you took that background character out the scene wouldn't be funny at all wouldn't be funny at all so like even if you don't land the big stinger joke you can do so much work so i think that that helped shape when i was having conversations for the podcast is that you know maybe i don't have to make the perfect point that gives this great like oh he told this great joke or whatever but if if i sense a conversation going in a certain way and i want us to get there that that's something huge um it also just helps with trying to do call and response typey things i know like in this particular interview I'm, I, I it's like eating at me because i'm doing most of the talking but like that's how an interview mm-hmm. works so so <laughs> yeah. but like in my core i'm like oh i'm talking so much but you know, when you're doing a normal, like, back and forth conversation podcast, like, it's important to not think about, like, me, me, me. It's important to try to think about, like, what is best for it. Uh, but then also, yeah, like you said, being quick on your feet is important for trying to understand what makes sense for a show. And in improv, it's a big thing. Like, you'll have your your main scene going on and then maybe you go down a little bit of a tangent and then having an internal sense of when that is stale to go back. So like with Potterless, for example, like the main line of an episode will be, we're recapping this chapter or this movie or whatever. But if my guest says something funny, let's talk about Dunkaroos for a little bit. And, you know, we'll talk about nostalgic 90s snacks that we had at snack time in eighth grade. And once we've exhausted that, it's like, okay, we've talked about this enough. Let's get back to Harry Potter. So I think having that internal sense of like, let's get back to the good stuff or like let's get back to the main reason why we're all here that has helped so that tangents and and, and improv has also helped make those tangents fun and encourage going on those tangents but then also having the sense of like all right this has run its course we've done our little tag run here let's let's go back to the base
0: which is always one of my favorite parts is when you just go, and we've been talking about X for 20 minutes now, let's talk about right. Harry Potter.
1: Yeah, saying anyway Harry Potter is like the closest I can get to in improv when someone like runs across the stage and does a wipe. Like sometimes the best beat that you can do, you don't have to find a perfect segue. You can just be like, end scene. Let Now, anyway. <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> you just got to do that.
0: And Potter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With Potterless especially you've done a lot of uh things recently talking about kind of the the problems with um consolidating the source material and the kind of mm. stuff that's with with all that with your mm-hmm. kind of the the community you found in the Harry Potter fandom which i think is a very interesting way of kind of looking at that whole thing of something awful has given a community that is something beautiful
1: yeah it's hard like the jk stuff mm-hmm. is really hard with all of her transphobic tweets and <laughs> what makes it really hard is that the Harry Potter books and the community around it, it, like Harry Potter means so much more to a lot of people, a lot of fans, myself included. It means so much more than just these books slash movies. I liked when I was younger. It for a lot of people is what gave them the confidence to accept who they are, whether that means coming out or transitioning or just like being comfortable with who you are as a person, because at their core, that's what those books are about. It's about, loving everyone and being okay with who you are and and standing up for the little guy and it sucks that the person that wrote that is not following by her own teachings from her book series so well the reason i've kept the show going and you know i'll i'll get people on twitter like you're profiting if you're so anti-jk why are you profiting off her content like i don't view it that way at all fine but what i'm trying to do as you know potterless eventually will stop what i'm trying to do in in this like twilight of potterless is to establish that the fandom is more than jk the fandom honestly i feel like belongs to the fans at this point and i felt that before the turf stuff Mm. like when when i would go to leaky cons and and all these conventions and seeing online communities and podcasts like all these people are doing this because of the online and in person communities that have been founded from Harry Potter. JK Rowling isn't doing any of that stuff directly. She's never gone to a Leaky Con. She doesn't go to any of that kind of stuff. Like, she is not as in tune with the community as the rest of the people are. And I think independent creators, many who have come before me, podcasters, YouTubers, fanfic authors, like those people helped continue to foster these communities. And I was fortunate enough to come late and, and, make one of my own as well. And what I've been trying to establish in these like episodes of Potterless post JK stuff is that like what she did is bad. We won't accept it going forward. That doesn't mean you have to feel bad about liking the books. It does mean we need to look more critically at some of the things that were done and maybe with a new lens. But it doesn't mean that like everything that came before is terrible. I personally think that, like, I don't want to support anything new going forward, but I'm not saying that's like a unilateral decision that everyone has to do, but like, I don't want any more money or power or influence going to JK. So, like, I'm not going to buy new stuff. I'm not going to watch the new Fantastic Beast movie. I'm not going to get that video game. Like, I'm not doing any of that. But it doesn't mean you can't, it doesn't mean that, like, your memories with the books and the friendships you've made because of the series are invalidated because they're not. But we have to be mature enough to realize that even though she wrote this book series that is good and wholesome and wonderful and important to us, that doesn't absolve her from doing what is a terrible thing. Mm. So I'm trying to foster the community before I stop making the show or slow down, making the show as much as I can to be like, you don't have to dislike Harry Potter anymore. It's also okay. If you're just like not excited about Harry Potter anymore, Mm. like I'm still doing stuff and, and I enjoy making the podcast, but like when they announce the new video game and when they announce like, Oh, there might be an HBO show. I'm not excited, but that's just me. So i'm trying to do what i can to say like the community is not her we've moved beyond her and we don't need her i'm trying to establish that as much as i can
0: it is it's definitely been a thing but i think stuff things like Potterless is it's it's a really nice kind of transition from like uh having the absolutely obsessed harry potter blinkers to okay we're gonna move past this and i think your show and uh other fan made stuff is quite a nice like easing out of things and like you said it's kind of the, twi- the twilight apocalypse you've been going into more mm-hmm. of the fan-made content you've been going to stuff right. like the very potter musicals and the puffs to play as well so because you you've been doing i think when did you finish uh Deathly hallows that was back in uh, 2000 gosh 19
1: i'd have to look yeah i think it was like late yeah i think late 2019 is when i finished or like mid to late 2019 is when i finished the books hmm. Then I started doing the movies because, yeah, I did the movies, like, into early 2020. And then I started doing a Very Potter musical and and all that. It's been really nice to do the fan stuff because it's more uplifting. Mm-hmm. It's fan-made stuff so you don't have to feel bad about doing a J.K. Rowling thing. And it's just nice to, like, give a platform to, one, to fan-made stuff that, like, I understand it might not be as popular like maybe not everybody's seen a very Potter musical or puffs but hopefully by making episodes of the show about it people are like you know what i'll check it out and now if people are going to check out harry potter stuff in 2021 and beyond they'll check out fan made stuff because i did you know 12 episodes about this six episodes about this whatever so hopefully that can help people and i i think that's also just nice in where potter is right now to be like if you're gonna absorb harry potter stuff try to make a fan made read fan fiction buy fan made merchandise get fan made w- s- things as opposed to giving money slash power slash influence to jk rowling by consuming the new stuff that comes out in the future
0: yeah. and listen to fan made podcasts like exactly trailers.
1: yeah yeah i mean it's it, it, i i very very biasedly i agree but there's all there's like a ton of mm. of great harry potter podcasts out there that all have their fun unique spins on it and it's I think it's nice that like I can't think of a single Harry Potter podcast that has taken a pro JK mm. stance from sacred text to fanatical fix to uh, muggle cast like everything Potter cast they're all uh, condemning what she's done which is nice like it, it again assures me that like ah being being a podcaster is good I like the people that I'm with because Pretty much every single person that I know involved in fan made Potter creation content is like, "Fuck this!" Mm. I think there's one person that I know is pro JK, and they're they were a, I knew they were a bad person before it all started, so like I wasn't surprised. So it's nice right, that writing people was on the wall, universally, but... yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> nice that people have universally stood against JK Rowling.
0: Yeah. Um, pivoting away from kind of Potterless and Harry Potter, uh, I did want to talk about uh, meddling adults. Um, yeah. Obviously started in started in lockdown. What was the kind of, kind of process towards creating uh like a podcast game show essentially
1: sure so for meddling adults the idea came the idea came because we, we at multitude were just having like a pitch meeting we were getting ready to like pitch a bunch of our podcast ideas that we've already come up with to different people that want to give us you know funding or, or some other thing that would help making the podcast more feasible but we decided to have a meeting where it's like let's all just have a brainstorming session to come up with new ideas so part of that involved just like coming up with a new idea for a show based on like a theme and my thought process towards creating the idea was like what are the fun things that people like about potterless and how can i adapt that so the key tenets of potterless were like nostalgia um and then me trying to predict things and getting them wrong was like a big thing that was very popular in the podcast i thought ludo bagman was a bad guy it was like a five episode run where i was fully convinced like stuff like that was very funny So those are the two kind of things I thought of. We were fresh off of doing a bunch of live shows and doing the live shows was fun because some of the ones I did, like the one I did in Houston, we did like a March Madness bracket of the non-essential Harry Potter characters, who's the best. And to do a show that had stakes was really compelling. So pulling from the live show stuff and that, I was like, how can I combine what makes Potterless fun with something that has stakes? And I thought of... The first thing i thought of was oh encyclopedia brown mysteries like i loved those as a kid that would very much set up it is inherently people trying to guess what happened like at its core every single time it's gonna happen so had that original idea and then through the multitude brainstorming session we changed the idea around to where like it would at that point it became a game show also i had been knowing that like i wanted to do something for charity where it was like i had always liked the idea of trying to set up some sort of patreon that is used for charity it's something that like a YouTuber way back when I started Kev Jumba did where like he had his main channel and all of his ad money, he made a living off of, and then he had a secondary channel and basically like all the ad money that that channel got each month, he would say like, "Where is is this much money? And I gave it to this charity. So like, that's kind of what inspired me doing the monthly Patreon thing for Potterless. And then I thought it would be fun to just have a Patreon that is just straight up. Like you are giving money on a monthly basis, but you know that it's either just keeping the podcast afloat. So you're not in the red. Or every other dollar is going to charity. So all those things combined led to meddling adults, which now is a show where I serve as the host. Two guests come in, they solve mysteries. They try to solve mysteries from children's mystery series, whether it's a book like Encyclopedia Brown or a TV show like Scooby Doo and i just do little like summaries of the mystery lay out all the clues ask them for what they think it is and then you know if they if they get it right they get points there's bonus points as well for being silly or having a wild guess and then whoever wins earns money for a charity of their choosing um and then like i said we have a patreon set up that covers all the expenses uh, so that we can you know cover brandon to do all of our editing and pay him a fair wage and and keep up like websites and hosting fees and all that kind of stuff uh and then everything else that isn't just paying for expenses goes towards the different charities. Each season is ten episodes long and then you divide that uh the money that we've earned at that season by ten and then those all get it. So at this point we've raised two thousand dollars for charity and season three should be more because we've gotten more sponsors on the show and more patrons as well. So it's exciting.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we um we ran our own uh, meddling adults. Yeah, How did it for the, the society? <laughs> Uh, it it was it was interesting. I it is very hard to summarize the mysteries. It's
1: it's tricky. It's it's a, a time consuming thing to condense the mysteries in a way that you aren't giving too much superfluous data, but you're giving enough where people can find different uh, can find different like threads to go off on, and and that's what's a big tenant for me doing the prep of the show is like the mystery I, I do when I, the mysteries that I choose to do, because a lot of it is like just reading a mystery and being like, that doesn't work. Or watching half of an episode of Scooby-Doo and being like, that's not going to work. Basically what I boil it down to is like, I try to find at least two, ideally three or more like very convincing either culprits, Scooby-Doo's usually like, is there three people that are conceivingly, gu- that are convincingly possibly guilty? And is there, is there enough stuff to go on that? And then I try to, like, make sure I talk about those three characters equally in the episode. And then for Encyclopedia Brown, sometimes it's culprit, but also sometimes it's, like, just... With Encyclopedia Brown, it's always, like, a little thing that stands out and feels kind of weird. So I just try to make sure that I have, like, at least three things that, like, stand out and feel kind of weird. And then I talk about those three things enough. I just want to make sure that I'm not giving it away by talking about one thing too much. But, yeah, it's tricky. It takes some time.
0: It, It is hard. I, I will admit I did steal one of the ones from the show hey, uh, when we did our evening. That's what you got to do? Yeah, we did. We did a Scooby Doo that I'd found on online. Mm-hmm. Uh, the well, the Encyclopedia Brown one with the torridor pants. Oh,
1: great! That's a great so, one. I wanted
0: to see if my mates knew about petticoats. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's very. We fun. did
0: have one person who at the end just had to go. Um, what? What are they?
1: <laughs> oh, we'll give it away. So yeah. no, that's very fun. That's very fun. Yeah,
0: because um, Encyclopedia Brown, I'd never heard of, but it's there's a. English book series called Saxby Smart. I've heard yeah, the same yeah. thing. So it was that kind of like nostalgia of like going through a kid's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Could they uh, have you found uh, they are surprisingly interesting, like mysteries in that that people do put in the kids' books? Yeah, they're fun.
1: They're, I would love to. The guy who wrote Encyclopedia Brown, unfortunately, has passed, but like I would love to know the thought process of how he comes up with all Mm -hmm. these riddles because I'm sure it's like finding a riddle and then adapting it to be a whole story around it. And then at that point, not only are you making a story out of a riddle, but you're making it a children's story out of a riddle with established characters and stuff that you already have. So it's interesting how they came about. Some of them are really tricky and like I don't envy the guests. Like it's hard even just reading the books where I'm reading them and I can go back and I can look at everything and I have as much time in the world. That's hard enough on my own when I have the guests doing it and all they're doing is listening and maybe taking notes and then like, you know, you're on a podcast, you don't want to just sit in silence for 15 minutes trying to think about what the answer is. It's it's tricky for the guests as well. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely interesting stuff. I, I definitely want to do Saxby Be Smart because I've had a lot of British listeners mention that series is being really solid so I've got a whole document of like series that people have suggested and the mainstays of the show are Encyclopedia Brown and Scooby-Doo because mm. I think they work the best but I try to bring in new things at the time of recording the episode that's going to come out on Wednesday the 17th is going to be Veronica Mars which is the first time we've ever done that so always trying to bring in new ones Uh we did the Mary-Kate and Ashley movies which were a Ugh, that was a process it was the pain in your voice
0: when you were like i've watched 12 i had to watch all of
1: them because every episode of the podcast i try to do like three or four mysteries and there's only three that were like hard enough to even be worthy of the podcast but i had to watch 12 of those videos which are like man nostalgia but also like terrible quality things
0: (laughs) yeah do not envy those oh gosh um so obviously you've you've got you've had meddling adults that's been going for a while now. Have you got anything else that you're you're working on at the moment? I
1: do, and this is fun because I actually just put out a tweet saying that I'm trying to guess on a bunch of stuff to promote it. So this might be early depending on this releases. but I'm working on a new podcast that is going to we're gonna launch a Kickstarter for it because we were trying to pitch it to different things and it just wasn't getting bites. So we decided to bet on ourselves here. And I'm going to be making a show. I'm going to be, like, discreet about it because I don't want to, like, give away the goose just yet. But uh, I'm going to launch a Kickstarter on March 23rd. If you go to my website, which is just chubes, S-C-H-U-B dot E-S, I'll have more information there when it is uh, pertinent. But basically, it's going to involve me doing, like, really intense pop culture deep dives. And it's the first podcast where I will be, like, in a character, not necessarily just, like, myself. So... It's the first thing that I've done that like has a script to it. Everything else I've done is just like you know bullet points and me doing it off the cuff. So it, the reason we're doing a Kickstarter is that there's going to be a production team and and writers and a researcher and uh, Brendan Grugel to do all the sound editing and like sound engineer, like not just editing but like legit. There's going to be background music and audio stings and stuff. So like, it's the first podcast project I've done that like is going to have a lot of pre prep work as opposed to just like consuming a thing taking notes on it, editing those notes to be good. And then just like rolling with the punches on recording. This is the first thing I've done. That's going to be like prep research, writing, editing, all that kind of stuff. Because of that, we need some upfront funds to justify bringing in all of the different team and dedicating my time to it and stuff like that. Uh, because you know, when I add something into my plate, I'm going to have to take something off my plate. Like I will probably have to hire someone to edit Potterless. I currently edit it. Uh, I wouldn't be able to edit Potterless on top of doing another thing. So that's the project I'm very excited about. It's going to be really fun, but, uh, the, the Kickstarter for that will launch on March 23rd. So again, go to, you can follow me on social media at shoot 17 or go to my website, S C H U B E S S C H U B and uh, learn more there. So, yeah. Sorry to not be able to be fully like, here's what's happening. But I don't want to, like, say what it is until the Kickstarter is live. So that once people hear what it is, they go, oh, dang. And then they give money to it.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is this is good setting up the mystery. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. people Can
1: people figure out what it is? Have yeah. you ah. found out the, the social media accounts that I've made for it and not followed anything from? <laughs> the clues are out there it's
0: it's going to be the first person we met so
1: (laughs) yeah if it's an episode of scooby-doo it'll just be if you go back the first two words i said in this podcast are the title (laughs) (laughs) which are probably like hello and yes so not a convincing title
0: (laughs) (laughs) i I, I feel like hello yes my new podcast (laughs)
1: yeah Yeah, that's the working title like when you have a movie of a fake thing the running title for this can be hello yes in brackets
0: (laughs) setting up setting up a code name for it (laughs) okay um that's all we have time for today thank you so much for uh agreeing to this mike
1: of course thank thank you so much for it's having really, me on really cool i'm glad that we could find this by you mentioning you were doing a middling adults thing and I, I jokingly requested Exeter University merch, but I also will non-jokingly sport it if it is sent to me, whatever it is. So uh, you got a cool we, crest. We may be
0: working on we may be working on Podcast Society merch. Oh, so we have.
1: All right, we've got
0: committee hoodies, which are violently purple. Ooh, oh, wonderful. I've got mine bed at the moment,
1: <laughs> yes, but no, I appreciate it. I love this. I it's something that like I wish. In college, people had told me about it because this is something that I would have gotten into way Mm. earlier on. Mm. So I'm very here for people trying to learn it and stuff because my entire career was me, like, figuring it out on my own and then getting very fortunate from guests to Spotify stuff and then just, like, making the most of things that fell towards me. So uh, I'm very happy, and Multitude stands for this, and I try to stand for this, too. That's why I'm always happy to talk about stuff like this is just... The more information we can put out there, the better. And if more people can learn about podcasting and stuff, I'm glad that your uh, your society exists. It's nice.
0: Uh, first one, apparently. First university podcast society. Seriously? That is... Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or uh, none of the other podcast societies have managed to make themselves show up on Google.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Exeter, more like Enterer, because you're the first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. We are actually... um uh. Certain uh authors who have been mentioned on this podcast did attend this university. JK went and to Exeter? One of the one of the buildings is ba- is the basis for the moving staircases oh. in Harry Potter because it is that difficult to navigate. Okay.
1: All right. Well, hopefully nothing is actually like named after her in the school. Good, good. Because I was gonna yeah. say, like, then you have to pee on that. Like that's the <laughs> I don't know if my university was different than all of it, but like we had on campus storms kinda like Yale, it's residential colleges. Mm-hmm. like harry potter houses as well and there was one that we didn't like in particular so when you were drunk and stumbling around that was the one you peed on (laughs) so if there was you know like the jk Rowling memorial or whatever like that should just become (laughs) defecation station
0: yeah they haven't set up we've got we've got a lovely statue for um a lady called floella benjamin instead who's much more deserving of the title
1: great love it shout out to floella benjamin (laughs)
0: All right. Thank you very much for being on. Uh, It's been lovely talking to you. You as well. Thank Um, you so much. uh, Before we go, actually, um, just as a sign off, would you mind saying uh, this podcast has been made by Exeter Podcast Society? Yes.
1: This podcast has been made by the Exeter Podcast Society.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to our interview with Mike Schubert. If you'd like to learn more about Mike and his shows, you can head to schub.es or find him at Twitter, at, at SHUBE17. If you enjoyed this, make sure you subscribe to the Podcast Society feed. We've got some great interviews with podcasters from shows like No Such Thing as a Fish and Troubled Waters, as well as some very exciting student made projects in the works. For updates on events, socials, and more, you can follow us on Twitter at, at ExeterPodcast or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Podcast Society. Thanks for listening, and as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Wizard on. This podcast was made and edited by Kit Lovick and was made possible by the support of the Exeter University Alumni Fund.